This podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com. Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. And welcome once again to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. This is the biggest sci-fi podcast around and the greatest, if you ask the four of us. Hi, my name is Brian, and we are here today to talk about the music of Star Trek and science fiction. I kind of slipped up there, folks. I just think we're going to talk about Star Trek a lot today, and I'm kind of excited about it. But we'll see where this goes. Uh, I'd like to introduce our fearless co-host here today, Mr. Steve Merkin, back from a trip around California. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing fine. I'm Steve Merkin, a retired member of the jewelry industry. I spend my time as a volunteer at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, and I've contributed to this podcast. I've written for Warp Factor Trek, where my articles are still available for reading. All right. And they're fantastic articles as well, Steve. Thank you. And Chris Fox, the guy who likes to yell a lot about Star Trek. How are you doing, man? I am doing well. And yes, I'm Chris Fox, and I have a podcast called Yelling About Star Trek. And I mediate conflicts during the day, which is a lot of uh, upset people yelling about other stuff that isn't Star Trek. <laughs> awesome. And Adina Mignogna, uh, engineer by day, author by night. How you doing? I'm great, except for it's author at five in the morning. I do my writing five, before oh, I do okay. my engineering. Okay. Oh my okay. For now, yep. I'll keep that in mind. I'm writing a note right now for next time. It doesn't um, have the same feel. Engineer by day, <laughs> author by... Much earlier in the day. <laughs> Honest, honestly, my, my first thought was to say author trapped in the body of an engineer, mm. but I didn't know if that would work or not. So yeah, I, don't I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm super <laughs> excited either way, because in a couple of days after this, this episode gets released, the second book in the Robot Galaxy series will be available. Hey, so, fantastic. Hey, tell us, Adina, where is that available from? Where can we buy <laughs> that book that I'm going to buy myself? Well, go to Amazon.com and look up Crazy <laughs> Foolish Robots, and that's which is book one in the Robot Galaxy series. And right there, you'll see also book two. And book three is available for pre-order as well. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm actually uh, halfway through chapter five of your first book, Adina, and cool. really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have 
everybody knows I'm a pastor, so I've got all sorts of books that I'm reading all the time. I'm like 20 books behind where I really want to be for what I do uh, with my life. But uh, when I get a chance to settle down and just read for fun, that is the book I'm picking up these days. Yay. And uh, I'm, I, I really love Ruby. I just got to say. You'll want to adopt Yay. her. She's a sweetheart. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about her and her adventures. Hi, my name is Pastor Brian Donahue. I start new churches and work hard to help others do the same or be everything they can be with the unique gifts they have to offer. And really, that's kind of what we do as parents too, right? Those of us that have kids mm -hmm. try to help them uh, mm -hmm. accomplish what they can within their unique gifting. So I really love doing that kind of stuff. I'm also a musician, songwriter, and so I'm particularly excited about today's episode and topic, guys. Uh, I hope this is going to be a really fun, joyful conversation. We might have some disagreements. Maybe, maybe not. You never know on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. We always high-five it, give the Vulcan hand salute back and forth at the end of each episode, though, and uh, go about our merry ways, happy with each other. But before we do that, how are you guys doing? What have you watched or read lately? Is there anything interesting or exciting in your life since last we met that you'd like to share with our wonderful listeners? I've just been watching too much Enterprise again. And, <laughs> you know, is that last possible weekend, though? Well, like last weekend was a long weekend. And I thought, okay, I need to get caught up on Moon Knight. I need to actually start watching Moon Knight. There's all these other shows which are coming out and people love them. And I feel like I need to just be watching other stuff. But instead, I'm like, you know what? I need to do season one again. And now I'm on season two. And I'm like, I'm very close to starting season three again. And it's like, do I need to do that? I want to because I just I don't know. There's something about Enterprise. I just I can't get enough of only only you can answer that question, Chris. If um, I can answer it too, Chris, I've rewatched yeah. it too many times. I used to when when it when when it went off the air and it was available, uh, I think like at eleven o'clock at night on on local NBC station. I used to make CD uh, uh, DVD copies of it so I could have it, and then of course I bought the DVDs when they came out. But I, <laughs> it's still it's enjoyable watching. You like the characters. I like the characters a lot. And that's except yeah. I do have a hard time with super. I don't want to say he's super racist, but like Archer, who doesn't like the Vulcans in the first season, where it's like every time he's interacting with them, it's you. I hate you guys. You ruined my dad's life. You're always about logic. I want to throw you out in the airlock. It's like, whoa, just calm down a little bit. Like, you don't always need. <laughs> Did to he say so that? Hate Did he say oh, yeah. I want to throw you out an airlock? Well, he made that comment about DePaul in an episode where it's like, oh, where he's yeah. trying to, to yeah. prove that she is really awesome but he's like you know there are times i want to throw it an airlock but she saved mm -hmm. your life and you have to respect that oh, okay. and it's like okay you don't need to always be quite <laughs> so hateful towards the vulcans in every episode and he gets better in later seasons that's the point that roddenberry never wanted conflict between the characters that everyone you know got along as they should but when they got to enterprise they decided you know let's create some conflict Everyone doesn't have to get along. And you know what? We can make the Vulcans the bad guys just to add a twist to the story. And then as the seasons went along, the relationships improved and improved and improved. And, uh, it, you know, 
it, it worked out really well in the well, end. So I think yeah. it started, I don't think Enterprise started that. I think even Voyager, even DS9, you've mm-hmm. got, because, I, and I think it was because the cast, the main cast was not purely Starfleet. This is when right. we started out where you have a, a mixed cast. You have Starfleet, plus you have Major Kira, you have Odo, and then you have some other main characters that aren't part of anything. You have Quark. And then come to Voyager, you have Starfleet and you have the Maquis. So I think right. they started adding that conflict into the main cast starting as back as Deep Space Nine. Oh, I think the conflict is a good thing. It's just when you're openly saying racist things, like even McCoy to a degree, it's like you don't have to keep commenting on his ears or his green blood. Like that's, mm-hmm. it gets into very like strange territory where like you guys are supposed to be above that. Like, yeah, you can be angry at the Paul's making is annoying you, but you don't need to always be, oh, I hate Vulcans in general. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wish they had found that balance a bit earlier, but mm-hmm. I do. The conflict is great because I love TNG, but they could have used more like, hey, we're not always going to get along with each other in every episode. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that. Uh, you know, if, if, if they hadn't gotten along, it wouldn't have been TNG. Well, that's <laughs> what I used to do. Hey, I'm the king of tangents. We are getting closer <laughs> to another subject. They now. had they had. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, they had disagreements like like they did not like Barkley at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, but but was Barkley like wasn't. Thing. Yeah, he wasn't a regular. I mean, he, he was okay. eventually a recurring cast member, but he was not one of the original ensemble. Worf asking Riker to kill him. Again, yeah. not not these are. This is not the same thing because the other shows started out where there's inherent conflict. Yeah, that's true. People, because everyone, no matter you know, I, I you argue with your family sometimes. You know, everyone mm-hmm. has a disagreement. That's not the same thing as as the built-in inherent. Because no one was, I don't think anyone was like had any kind of like racist tendencies towards Worf at the beginning of the show. Right. Like no, they just correct. they just they just accepted Worf yeah. as a star. Yeah, I don't think there was ever any like sort of racist like, oh, you're just a Klingon, you do this. Yeah. The closest Deep Space, Deep Space Nine started. I mean, how many times did Chief O'Brien say bloody card cardies? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, Not as in there much was... as go ahead. Think. Yeah. I don't well, think. Well, I would say the closest in TNG is how data was treated early on, especially by Pulaski in season two. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. I mean, you know, there was a lot of figuring him out, right? And then you had episodes like Measure of a Man where they're basically like, is can we actually consider him like one of us, you know? Yeah. And, and you had a lot of that. And I think eventually we got past that, although we had some one-off episodes um, Oh gosh, which was the one where he was put in charge, uh, captain of the ship, and oh, um, redemption part yes. two, I believe. Yes, with the that yeah. first officer. But I Mr. feel like Hobson. After that, that was, I feel like that was the last time we saw any of that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Brian, Brian, you warned us that we were going to be talking heavily about Star Trek. Uh, you Here know, I, I think I, I think I kind of foreshadowed something there. <laughs> right. Um, Not but like I, it's I, hard. I think <laughs> I think Chris really got us going, though. I think he of course, because really I didn't I help either. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I can't talk about it all day at work. I got to talk about it here. Nobody wants to hear my Star Trek thoughts except for my manager. Hey, that's that's yeah. I'll be on a walk with my wife and say, hey, it's, it's, we're talking about. Uh, I don't want to hear about that. Um, let's yeah. talk about let's talk about the kids. Let's talk about you know exactly. But did anybody else want to go? Because I cut everyone off with the Star Trek thing. <laughs> Last oh, would be a Dina. Do you have anything to share, Dina? Oh my gosh. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm up to date on Picard. 
And I think I feel like the rest of the week has been a blur. Uh, it was kind of interesting what Brian said a minute ago about you know helping our kids in their lives and and achieving. Mm-hmm. Well, we're achieving some success on the potty with my little. Hey. <laughs> so we've been that's all worth about applause right there. Right, mm-hmm. potty and getting him to sleep through the night. So between those things, everything else is a blur. <laughs> <laughs> You'll That's you'll okay. get through this. This I know. This too shall pass. This is number two. I've been been here before, so Unintended. I know, I know. But yeah, <laughs> well, oh, yes, well. we, we've actually had we had when I picked him up from daycare today. There was a number two on his own, like very much on his own. So all right, man, we're making progress in this area. This is very. I can see like the last box of diapers I buy in my future. <laughs> oh my, my goodness! Future. Wow. I remember before my wife and I had kids. Okay, this was like in the before time we call it, right? Oh yeah, that, yes. When, it is, there when is we a were fun time. and free loving, and we could go to bed and get up whenever we wanted mm-hmm. to, and we could stay up super late if we wanted to, and still have energy to get up super early for work, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those days are gone. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I do. I, I remember before we had kids, especially like at a grocery store. Okay, kids freaking out in the grocery store. <laughs> In my inexperienced, immature, totally naive self, well, that's a parenting problem at home. Oh, God, yes. Obviously, (laughs) they let the child do that at home all day long, so they have zero control when they come into the grocery store into this situation. The parent does exactly what they're doing now, a nothing. They're Mm -hmm. standing there with a dumb look on their face. And then the first time my daughter inexplicably freaks out in the checkout line and just starts screaming her face off, and I am, I'm trying my best to calm her down, and it gets to the point where I realize what that parent mm-hmm. was doing that I judged so harshly, they were getting to their happy place. They were zoning <laughs> out and just trying to get through that <clears throat> checkout line until they could get in the car or get back home where they could lose it, you know, where they could totally do whatever they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I also never thought that I, my wife and I would ever actually high-five each other over our kids using the toilet and mm-hmm. doing that successfully. And we'd throw little mini parent parties and get so excited and call everybody we knew. And, you know, um, and tell everyone like on the podcast, you're doing it. <laughs> we, we had some potty success today. Yeah. He's actually been in during the day. He's in undies all day yeah. and mm-hmm. he's just in diapers at mm-hmm. night. So and it's been like this for a fantastic. So, that mm-hmm. is exciting. Yes. As a parent, I applaud you and am excited mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> All right. So now that we've talked about potty training, let's go ahead and jump into um, our episode here. I'm excited about this because I am very much moved, inspired, and driven by music. I'm always listening to something as I go about my day. And I, guys, I share a particularly warm place in my heart for the music of film, especially when it comes to Star Trek, science fiction mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, there are some fantastic film scores uh, from some of the greatest science fiction ever produced. And that's what we're going to talk about. This is our 13th episode, Lucky 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that being said, uh, I have a very simple question for you guys to start the show out with. Um, what is your favorite all-time science fiction theme and why? And remember, we're not talking about overall soundtrack whole film score we're talking about the theme it could be end credits um or the opening theme of a movie um or or it may be a particular theme in a movie because there's the luke and leia theme Mm 
right um, yeah in star wars you know there's ilea's theme in star trek at the beginning of the motion picture Ooh, uh, there's themes nice. for different different people or different different feelings of the film so let's mm -hmm. let's start with adina if you don't mind sure i my answer is going to be pretty short uh, or or not uh I guess up until thinking about this episode and preparing for this episode, I don't think I've given uh, certainly not as much as you like right, that right. much thought into the music of, of movies. I've certainly, you know, some music is iconic and recognizable. The Star Trek theme, the Star Wars theme and 2001. And that's all I can actually say is iconic. Like I, I, sure if you played some others for me i'd be like oh okay i recognize that so i have to say star trek <laughs> you know surprise surprise but it, it's because probably i'm not as well versed in in this um and to the point where yeah i'm just not as well versed but i do love all the star trek soundtracks in general and for a long time i owned all of them can mm -hmm. i can i say real quick and i'll let chris go um is I think that's also, though, a sign of soundtracks and themes of, of movies doing their job well. Mm -hmm. Sure. That, that they, they stick out when they need to, and they're impressive and beautiful and in your face when they need to. But you remember the films as much as you do the music, which is really the, is, is really the point, that the music pushes the emotions pushes the energy of a film and so even though you haven't given much thought to it um as someone like i have who is just totally geeking out about talking mm -hmm. about film scores right now I, I think that it's also a sign that you've the music has done its job well for you though you know in your enjoyment of films sure uh, that, that's probably true and and over the years i mean i've owned soundtracks to to films but a lot of it has been like i i remember i had the matrix soundtrack because oh, i just liked yeah but i i to some degree i think of those as just i don't know songs on the soundtrack not so much of i don't think of it as the big orchestral stuff that you get in the star trek or star wars but right. just music that was great to blast when i was driving <laughs> mm -hmm. chris how about you my friend oh yeah i was just gonna ask adina like do you have a specific star trek movie that you like the theme for so I think that's one of our later questions, but I guess I'll, I'll preview oh. now. I think four. I think if I was going to pick one as my favorite, it would be four. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just because it's necessarily my favorite or around the time the movie came out, back when we all still owned record players, I had the album and I played the oh. album a lot. So mm -hmm. is it because I listened to that one probably more than I've listened to anyone else mm -hmm. or is it because it really is my favorite? I'm not really sure. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. No, no, absolutely. How about how about you, Chris? And this is the problem. I was going to say Star Trek Four as well. That main <laughs> theme, and I really had to do a lot of thinking because we're going to probably get into Star Wars. But just for me, the Voyage Home theme, not so much that it's the most iconic, but mm -hmm. it just all of Star Trek movies put me in my happy place, but like the start, the voyage home theme just puts me in the happy place, like nothing else where I just mm -hmm. instantly feel calmer and better about things. You're talking, talking about the end credits or just like the opening. Or the opening. No, it's just the melodic yeah, the opening sound. Theme. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful soundtrack. You're right, Chris. And it's so comforting and it yeah. fits with the hopefulness. It's still mm -hmm. weird and sci-fi, but it's fun and it just fits so well with the, 
the theme or with the overall movie. And it's unrelated to any other of the other Star Trek movies. There's not, I don't think the, the Star Trek theme is used in that soundtrack at all at any yeah. point. Yeah. That's the strange thing about Trek movies is that like, if you look at Star Wars, a lot of them, they'll always have, like, especially the movies, they'll always have the classic Star Wars theme, whereas not all Star Trek will have the Star Trek theme, and it changes over yeah. time. So each and, soundtrack is vastly different than the previous one, with, mm-hmm. you know, a few exceptions that are... Yeah. And with with Star Trek Four, Steve, they actually do use that famous... Uh, when they, they see the Enterprise for the first time oh. in space dock, and oh, then yeah. it's out of space okay. dock in that beautiful camera sweep as as they go down below okay. as it passes over, which is my favorite shot of the Enterprise. That model um, was gorgeous. It's real slow. It's boisterous yet beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just spectacular. It's okay. it's one of my Thank favorite you. moments soundtrack wise in star trek 4 is is that moment right there yeah but mm-hmm. you meant just for the first one it's just the main theme right that we're talking correct about? yes yeah yeah oh, okay yeah yes but that is a really good one i do love mm-hmm. how crispy white that bridge is oh yeah i don't know if crispy white's the right term but just get so what's your shiny saying, <laughs> it's brand new man yeah it's, it's a new <laughs> spaceship kind of yeah. feel and smell yeah Wonder what a new spaceship's. They should mention that in Trek. Oh, First time you walk on the bridge, oh, it's got that new spaceship smell. They oh, should that'd be do nice. that that'd be good. <laughs> it's the things I think about as a Star Trek fan. Uh, I might so, have to use that in my next book. Right there, you go. <laughs> I'm taking a note. I'll credit do you. It. Do it. <laughs> I'll, I'd love to be a footnote in one mm-hmm. of your books, Adina. Um, so for me, my all-time favorite science fiction theme is I'm going to be real boring. I'm sorry on this episode. I kind of alluded to it, Mm -hmm. but for me, I really love the end credits of Star Trek generations. Mm. Okay. Uh, I I think that theme of the Nexus in there too is just beautiful, Mm -hmm. little mysterious, a little bit ominous and even, even, kind of weird you know you don't know mm-hmm. what's coming um but i just love those ships warping out at the end of that film and that boisterous dennis mccarthy just did mm-hmm. a fantastic yeah. job with the score in that film uh so that is my all-time favorite science fiction theme when that just i i hear that boisterous music at the end of that film and just like yeah that's adventure that's yeah let's go let's mm-hmm. go i'm ready to go out there wherever they're gonna mm-hmm. take us you know I just wish they had that at the beginning because I find like the main like opening credits, the theme isn't it's there, but it's not there. You know, it's yeah. not that great. Yeah. But then the end credits, you're right. It's like I always forget about that. But it's like mm-hmm. every time I'm like, oh, wow, this is really good. Yeah. So uh, we've got we've got uh, Steve. How about you? We haven't talked about you. I'm sorry. my No, friend. you haven't. Go ahead. So let's see. Um, let's, let's, I'm very folks, interested. I'm very interested. Welcome to the loyal opposition. Okay. 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 Yes. Without a doubt, it's Star Wars: A New Hope. Mainly, just like you said, Adina. When I went to the to the books, the uh, record store, and bought the album, and put the needle down, and you hear that opening, just crash of music, and then it goes into the opening. It still to this day will cause the hairs on the back of my neck to rise. It is. Mm-hmm. Just it just takes you right into the movie. It's like Adina, as a writer, that first sentence has got to be the one that just pulls you in. 
And every time I hear that, it's like, Bang! and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to enjoy the rest of the soundtrack and the rest of the music. And it and it's not so much reoccurring. You don't hear that at the that explosion when the words appear on the screen that says Star Wars. It doesn't happen again, but it just gets you into it right away. So um, as part of the loyal opposition, I'm going to go with that. And also, Brian, can I send you a compliment on your top 30 spot, uh, Spotify list of music? What a wonderful collection. Thank you, you really hit everyone on the nose. You really did beautiful. Yeah, I, I tried to, I tried, uh, it's a little track heavy kind of at the top of it, but it's, I really tried to find a bunch of stuff and have it be a unique collection. So yeah. um, you can find that on Spotify if you want to. Mm -hmm. I think it's just called Music of, of Sci-Fi and you can listen to that playlist. We dropped it on our um, Facebook page, our Facebook group mm -hmm. uh, as well. So you can yeah. find it there. Um, I think the music of science fiction is so vast and just so different. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you have some science fiction films that are very much uh, electronic in nature and synthesized, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it works in most cases, in a lot of cases, not always maybe, um, but it's very interesting. You have music that is very orchestral. You have acoustic sounding soundtracks, and I just love that about film scores is that th there's really something for everyone's taste. And each composer, I feel, if you do a study, and I have, because, <laughs> I'm, because I have... I've spent that kind of time, uh, different composers that I know I can almost tell when I'm watching a film that I don't, I didn't know who the composer were at first, if it was at first, if I didn't. And there have been times, for instance, with Jerry Goldsmith, where I go, that smacks of a little bit of Jerry. Mm -hmm. And so I'll look it up there as I'm watching the film on Google and I'll be, I'll be darned. I didn't know he composed the film, the music for this film. Same thing. Some people can do that with Hans Zimmer, um, Michael Giaguchi. Well, yeah, Gino, um, like, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you can, you, there's different, there's just some styles, even James Horner, um, in who did Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan and Star Trek three, the search for Spock. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a, another film. I'll have to look it up. I can't remember it now off the top of my head. Uh, but it's another science fiction film where you go that, that sounds similar enough to Star Trek two and all the space battles in there and the Mutara Nebula and some of the, and even the theme where you go, ah, oh, mm -hmm. that sounds like James Horner. So I, I think that's interesting. I know. I agree with you about that. Brian, and right now I'm having an elder moment because I cannot remember the composer's name, but he was with Oingo Boingo. And <laughs> what is his name? It's just who did uh, Men in Black and he did uh, oh. Beetlejuice. And oh, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, yeah. thank you. Yes. You can hear a Danny Elfman's uh, com composition, and it's the same almost, you can hear the same style in all the different movies if yeah. you know a danny elfman uh soundtrack when you hear it that's so interesting right that just art is that way because you know so music people have their styles writing people have their their voice art you know um paintings people have their style like it's just so weird that there's styles mm -hmm. in all the different arts yeah yeah. yeah. So one thing I want to say, I actually did a video about this. So I'll plug my YouTube channel yelling about Star Trek, but I did a video about 
as I was watching, I was rewatching all the Spider-Man movies to get ready for mm-hmm. uh, No Way Home, and I didn't realize that Jerry Goldsmith, sorry, not James, uh, not Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner composed the score for Amazing Spider-Man. But there's a specific scene where Peter's learning how to swing for the first time, and he takes music, like not even the theme, but it's like it sounds so close to the stealing the enterprise theme, which is just like hmm. wild when you listen to it. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. And then, yeah, the Michael G Keen, I remember really getting obsessed with him because of 2009 track and then watching, rewatching uh, mission impossible three and being like, Oh my gosh, that's G- Michael G Aquino. I mm-hmm. can hear it. Mm-hmm. It's always cool when that happens. <sighs> All right. Well, next um, question. Next question <laughs> is sorry, guys. I'm just I'm I'm so happy right now. I just was kind of <laughs> in a daze uh-huh. going. Oh yeah. Wow, these guys these guys know their stuff. This is fantastic. Well, these um, guys know their stuff. I just <laughs> I, I feel like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be well, honest, to be honest with you, Brian, I didn't interrupt. But when okay. I worked worked at my old company and I was at my desk and I would just go onto AOL music and I would go movie theme, movie soundtracks. And the whole day I'd be playing just movie soundtracks mm-hmm. because there's no words. It's just music mm-hmm. and the themes are beautiful. You yeah. know? Yep. I do that yep. too at work. Yep. I listen so when to I talk is my go-to movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I, I do a YouTube music these days and a year ago, maybe it was a year ago for my writing sessions in the morning. I, I do need something and it needs to be instrumental. Cause I can't have, I can't write and have words cause the brain can't, you know, it doesn't work that way. So I have a, a playlist. It's called all the Star Trek instrumentals I could find. <laughs> and it literally Excellent. is all the Star Trek <laughs> instrumentals that I could find mm-hmm. on YouTube music in one playlist. And that that's most days, most mornings, that mm-hmm. is my go-to while I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. I went through a phase because uh, I have been working on a book as well, um, which Adina has in her hands, mm-hmm. and I'm very nervous to hear some feedback. Um, but uh, I went through a phase where I was listening to the Lord of the Rings soundtracks, which is very dark at times, incredibly beautiful mm-hmm. and inspiring. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that helped me, or I don't know. But uh, it, you know, it just it's art and whatever whatever mm-hmm. works for you as you're creating your art. Um, for me, I'm happy to hear that I have three friends here that listen to film scores mm-hmm. um, as they're needing to just work and get stuff done. Um, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty darn cool. So what is question number two? Are you guys ready? Yep. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite science fiction film composer? So this is maybe even a little <laughs> tougher question, uh, but in and and maybe even your science fiction film composer. But let's mm-hmm. open it up. Do you have a favorite? Because because all, almost all these guys that have written for Star Trek or other science fiction films, they do regular movies too, folks. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what's your favorite science fiction? Who's your favorite? science fiction film composer and maybe your overall film composer too. And we'll start with Steve this time. Well, uh, I wrote down right here if for sci-fi movies, it's John Williams. I mean, star Wars is it, but he's done so many other films, close encounters and so on mm-hmm. that. And also, you know, he got his, he's got to start doing television and, and he did the lost in, the- uh, the lost uh, in yeah. space theme for that, which, so, for science fiction films, really, John Williams is, you know, he, his, his playbook he's a master. is, 
exactly you know from jurassic park whatever you know mm -hmm. you know what he's done but for the overall and this is what you brought the overall without a doubt it's jerry goldsmith mm. and much like him john uh jerry got his start on tv shows uh where he did the theme music for the uh, the man from uncle okay he cool. did movies like in like flint which is one of the coolest soundtracks mm -hmm. you've ever heard mm -hmm. He did the music to Patton. He he did one of my favorite move love story movies is uh, The Wind and the Lion, hmm. and he also did this film called Star Trek: The Motion Picture, as oh. I recall. He did that <laughs> right. one too. That one. <laughs> but if you say who is currently doing soundtracks right now, it's it's Michael Giancino. Hmm. Um, he, yeah. The kid's just doing it all all over the place. For every type of movie, if there's a Pixar film, he's probably got his hand in it one way or another. Um, and and believe it or not, the first film he ever did was The Incredibles. I'll be darned. Really? That's right. Yes. That's yes. a great soundtrack. It, yeah. it is. It is as James Bond a soundtrack as you can ever get. And I, I remember seeing an interview with him at a Star Trek convention, and he, he admitted, he said, the very first thing I did was The Incredibles. And Brad Bird looked at him and said very distinctly, don't screw up my movie with the soundtrack. <laughs> and sure fantastic. enough, he did not. Oh. But um, I just want to also <laughs> add one other thing real quick. And that is, we're talking about movie soundtracks, right? And I don't want to get off on a tangent. But when it comes to TV shows, my all-time favorite soundtrack, get ready, The Jetsons. Okay. Oh, that's a great choice. Music composed by Hoyt Certain. Words by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. Nearly every cartoon show done by Hanna Barbera was composed by Curtin, huh. like the Flintstones and Scooby Doo. Yeah. And the Jetsons use every type of film music, or excuse me, sound music you can get as they introduce each of the characters. And even even the tone for chopsticks is used as well. So I I, I actually oh, listen to it again, and it makes me smile. Oh. It's one of those when I listen do, to that. Do, the, do, do. <laughs> yeah, here George gets it. Da, 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 I mean, it just makes me smile. So I didn't mean to get an attention, but for television, it's you know the what? Jetsons. It, Sorry, it, Star Trek. It it was a beautiful tangent, my friend. Well, <laughs> technically, it, it well sort of works because I heard that with Star Trek 2009, they used the Jetsons. I guess the noise for the ships as the noise for the uh, cop bikes at the beginning. Really? <laughs> so, so I guess that's, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That. Okay. That's interesting. Right. I didn't yeah. mean I go on a tangent. You oh, guys cool. go back to what we're talking about. Come okay? on, this show is we're built talking about upon music. tangents. That was music. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this show is built upon our wonderful tangents, so yeah. no problem at all. Adina. Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't think I have a favorite, but it's not my usual. That's I can't cool. decide. Yeah. I think it is just like a lack of being terribly informed. Like before I was preparing for this episode, I could only off the top of my head name two composers, Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of silly because, again, I do listen you know, like I just said, I have this playlist of Star Trek stuff and I just don't connect the names and probably because I've never actually seen images of the composers themselves. So I just don't have the names that ready, you know. So then I started looking into it. OK, yes, James Horner. And once I see that, OK, yes, I do recognize the name. So right. I don't think I have a favorite just because I, I can't really I mean, I, I like all the scores that I was telling you about before, 
But I want to pick up Steve's tangent. Go go for it. <laughs> it's and okay. say that for TV show themes, Futurama. I love the Futurama theme. And I can listen. Um, I, I have um, listened um, to that in the car sometimes just to listen to that in the car. Yeah. Do, 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 do. And there's like a whole like kind of long version. that's a little techno-y and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's great. So I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like TV show songs that are just, you know, fun. Right. You know, I mean, is I'm a friends. One of them. Friends is one of them. Although that's oh, not one I, I listen yeah. to regularly. The one one that's actually in my playlist is for the Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah, oh, that one's really good. Cool. Ladies, and it's yeah. a there's a there's the normal length version of the song, which is you know because of course what we see on TV is just a snit, you know the shortened version. Mm-hmm. The longer version is a, is great, and I have there's like a live version that's available, which is just wonderful. I love the and I mean I love the bare naked ladies just mm-hmm. to begin with, and so them doing that theme song was uh, was perfect. So I yeah, have to find it. Is it on YouTube? I'm sorry. Is it on? Is it on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm only doing YouTube music at this point. I've migrated completely to YouTube music. I'm listening to that tomorrow. Thank you. Right. So, so I grew up a church boy, and very, I didn't I didn't listen to, quote unquote, the music of the world. Right. Um. So when I got married, my wife gave me um an education in Garth Brooks, uh, country music, and um the only music I loved listening to in my teenage years that wasn't quote unquote Christian was uh, like Frank Sinatra era, uh, cla- you know, classic American songbook mm-hmm. type stuff. Loved the rap pack, loved, uh, loved kind of that theme and all that stuff. So I'm very well versed in that. Mm-hmm. And so I get married to Devin, who's a huge Garth Brooks fan. And uh, she, she's listening to this group and I'm going, this is, I like this music. What is this? And she goes, Oh, it's the bare naked ladies. And I'm like, huh, what do you look? Li- what? <laughs> you know? And so I, after I got over the shock of it, I'm like, uh, this is one of the greatest bands of all time, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So now, just so everybody knows, I'm much more well-versed in the music of the world. Um, uh, but, and I just thought, mentioned Bare Naked Ladies, so there's a little something about me you just learned. <laughs> okay. Chris, how about you? Get me out of this hole I just Okay, <laughs> I just, I want to ask if Frankie Valli is like, is where is he, if he, not quite Rat Pack era, but maybe after, because I'm obsessed with Frankie Valli. Fra- Frankie Valli's, yeah, Frankie Valli's cool, but he's no Frank Sinatra. Um, like, okay. But it's a different, or even it's a Bobby different. Bobby Darren. Oh, Bobby Darren died way too uh-huh. young. Uh, but uh, Frankie Valli's cool though. I'm not saying like so much like is he considered in that like not in the same level, but is he like I guess he's around that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's considered later. classic because I feel like a little falls out of his voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was just curious because I'm like I wonder like am I too old or are you too young to be listening to it? But it's like I'll jam oh, out to music Book of Love ageless, all the time. Timeless. Um, so what about what about a uh, science fiction? Who's your favorite science fiction composer oh, this and is... overall film composer? I guess I have to go with Michael Giacchino, although John mm-hmm. Williams is there. Yeah, okay. But just there's so many themes, like there's Doctor Strange, there's Spider-Man, Star Trek mm-hmm. 2009. And then there's been like, there was a week where I was at work where I would just blast the Batman theme. Well, not blast it. I try to keep it a low volume, but I would just mm-hmm. do an hour loop. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's so good. And I just, there's so many movies where I'm like, I, I just want to listen to the theme. And it's Michael Giacchino. So when you mentioned Batman with yeah. music, all I can think of is from the Batman Lego, you know, Lego Batman from the Lego movie. And he made his own song. Right. Okay. Yeah, like uh, uh, darkness. 
I like black. Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Chris, if you're thinking about it, you go, John Williams is 90 and Jerry Goldsmith is gone. And, you know, we've lost so many of these great composers. Someone has to step in. And I mean, you know, Randy Newman is one of my favorite composers mm, for yes. movie music. Yeah. I'm mean, without yeah. a doubt. But even he is in his, what, 70s now. So Michael's going to be the next generation of long term film composers. Yeah, and I think thank so. goodness he's around, you know? Because he's in everything. And it's just yeah. like, now I can hear, now if I watch a movie, I'm like, okay, there's Michael Giacchino in it. Except for the Batman. I couldn't hear any of his usual. Like, I found like he's more of a, because I know it's all orchestra, uh, or, um, orchestral, but mm-hmm. I feel like he uses a lot more brass than mm-hmm. other composers because mm-hmm. like a lot of his stuff has more of like, he, he he's a master of the spy theme or like, not spy theme, but like for spy movies, yeah, yeah. has like no, uh, you had you had it right there with the yeah. Incredibles. I mean, my gosh, you hear that music, and I mean, I I close my eyes and I'm watching James Bond movie. It's yeah, it's fantastic. And then it's like perfect for Mission Impossible three, which I will say is my favorite, which I know is not the best one, but it's like it's up there, and just his music fits so well with that. So I think overall, yeah, Michael G. Kino, same with mm-hmm. science fiction. Although it's so hard because John Williams did Star Wars, like the main Star Wars theme. And then he did Duel of Fates, which is the number one reason to watch The Phantom Menace. It's just... Oh, yes. Agreed. My grandson walks around the room going... Exactly. Have you guys seen the video of, you know, because they recorded video of of John Williams and the orchestra and the choir recording that. And there's a video where he's talking about the language he chose and how he came up with that. Because you can't really understand what what they're saying technically. Mm -hmm. um, Because it is a, it's a different type of language, uh, little known language even. And there's a video going around where someone has picked out the actual words but what it is is total nonsense and gibberish, <laughs> and it's absolutely hysterical. I may have to find that and put a link to it because it's it'll make you cry laughing what this person came up with that it sounds like they're saying, uh, like like there's cuts of cold cut meat in it, you know, like they're just listing off um, different type of meat and stuff like that, and it's it's absolutely hysterical. So, uh, so, so we'll just call. Let's how they calling it intergalactic scat. <laughs> intergalactic scat that works. <laughs> well, well, my favorite uh, science fiction film composer is none other than the late great Jerry Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, his his motion picture theme that became the Next Generation <sighs> theme is. It, the only thing, in my opinion, in film history that beats it is the Star Wars theme. I don't think there's any other opening theme to a movie that is so iconic, so recognizable by so many people. Um, and then the next gen, using it in Next Generation just helped push that. And then, of course, he used that in the next Star Trek film he composed, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Uh, right, yeah. Used it in... Uh, what was it? First contact. Use it in insurrection. Um, I don't remember Nemesis. I haven't listened to that. No, one. Nemesis was a very different. It had a. I like the opening credits, but it had a very different theme. Yeah, yeah. It, it did. did use it some was... motion picture stuff, like near the, like when Enterprise is in space dock and it's getting repaired. It mm. does use the oh, motion, okay. like the theme from the motion picture. Okay, 
But I just, I just loved, I loved Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, one of my uh, alternative, uh, because I, he's also going to be my overall film composer. Because um, some of the film, if you listen to the Alien soundtrack, oh my gosh, brilliant! If you if you listen to one of my all time favorite movies, that's not science fiction, Hoosiers with Gene Hackman, Ooh, um, which uh, is one of the first. Uh, let me see if I I, I want to I'm I might have to make a clarification or correction in the podcast notes, but that film I believe was all synthesized music, and it may have been one of the. It, may, it was I think a rare thing in at least in that day and age that every part of the soundtrack was synthesized, or at least that maybe it's just that type of film that it was strange that he would go that route, but he was so brilliant because. It's a film about basketball in the great state of Indiana, which I happen to have been born in and am a proud Hoosier, even though I've lived in Ohio most of my life. Um, even the sound of the basketball hitting the hitting the hardwood in the film, his drums sound like basketballs hitting hardwood. Um, oh, it's absolutely cool. in, in at, at the end of that film when they win the state find the state championship is the music that crescendos at the end of that and the emotion behind it bring it makes me cry and laugh every single darn time um so jerry goldsmith is the man um Mm -hmm. but i humbly admit that john williams is is probably got him licked with that star incredible star wars theme for the like for pure just like in terms of how iconic i think yes everybody knows the star wars theme so but i think yeah like i would say yeah jerry goldsmith i'd put above just because the star trek theme but it's yeah Yeah. so i totally agree in my heart he's number one yeah exactly so here's a question that i i have for you guys about the about the star trek themes in particular and in particular about the show themes the tv show themes because Mm. they're all orchestral what i call it orchestral until we get to enterprise and then you have a very very different we're going there okay well Mm -hmm. i'm curious so one i've always liked it i remember when it came out and when it aired i was surprised right you know it was kind of like what what they do this doesn't sound like star trek but okay it's kind of catchy i guess i kind of like it okay i'll adapt and so so i like i'm definitely in the camp of i like it you too where are you guys Mm -hmm. yeah where are you guys yeah i'm pro Mm -hmm. enterprise theme I did a whole episode about this a few months ago where I mm-hmm. talked about how the lyrics just feel like they're talking about Star Trek. Like the message behind the lyrics yeah. seems you, like Chris. it's encapsulating the, we're, we just um, like, you just have to believe basically, and then we can get there and we can work to get to the vision of Star Trek. So I think it's great, but it, it also just, because I, this came out in 2001. So for context, I was in grade four, so this is this oh like hearing that is like a part of my, it's a part of my life. Well, it's, and it's, oh I'm yeah, sorry, you're, saying, you're making us <laughs> all tick back the clock and look yeah. at a calendar and go, how old was I when I was, yeah. when that came? No, out. when I was at a Star Trek event, uh, it was a uh, this play called L.A. Away Team, and they had a um, trivia contest we were doing, and so the one of the trivia was, what is your, you know, what is the only Star Trek series that didn't have you know, music to it. And they all laugh and oh, it's Enterprise. It's so terrible. But they all started singing the word <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. So I've even though they make fun of it, of the they heart. know it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, 
Okay, it's like with it so like with with the theme and like even just the images it's like to the point where when i see historical footage of the astronauts mm-hmm. i'm like oh that's from enterprise and i have to be like no no wait this is a real thing this is not just from the show enterprise mm-hmm. <laughs> but it works it works also and, works and now so what about the the themes for like disco and picard because they're also very different from the old themes you know you know so, there's a trend let me jump in here yeah. chris i'm sorry yeah go I've ahead. Got, I've just I, a lot. I just um what did i just watch i watched no what made me think about it was i just watched the first episode of halo on paramount mm-hmm. plus Mm-hmm. And a lot of these shows are having these graphic heavy intros mm-hmm. to them where you're like, what is going on? And it's a trend now in, and I don't know if it's science fiction in particular, or, or even you look at the show. Well, Game of Thrones um, yeah. had, had one like this. And then what? Westworld also had one like this. Yeah. Well, then, and there's probably others. Oh, but... well, Yellowstone has a very graphic heavy intro to it. That's not science fiction, but, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's a there's a I don't know if it's a fad or whatever, but a lot of the new themes to to the newest shows coming out, it's not like the traditional. And since we're talking Star Trek, it's not like the traditional Star Trek or regular TV where there is a definite defined melody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of stuff coming in and out, and there could be four or five different themes kind of going through there. So to some people, it can sound. In case in point, Picard where some some people say i don't get that i don't get that thing there it's because there's so much going on in there and it's almost like the themes are fighting against each other almost mm. and then you hear them interwoven into the series later on that's that's the genius of it for mm-hmm. me from a musical mm-hmm. standpoint but i think it's just a trend right now that it's yeah. not so like voyager that which jerry goldsmith wrote and won an emmy for by the way um, that theme was so beautiful. And of it course, we, we saw a different kind of, int- we saw Voyager going through g- gas clouds and all sorts of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was visually a different type of introduction too for for that show. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a very defined melody. Now, now a lot of the shows, it's just, there's all sorts of stuff going on where it's not the classic melody that is dominating through it. So I, I like the disco theme, but the Picard theme is like one, I don't dislike it. It's not awful. I'm just at this weird point where I'm like, I just want to get to the episode. So I just like, I haven't watched the theme, the intro at all this season. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, like with the new Star Trek movie, I'm just not vibing with it. Whereas if I'll on uh, Magnum PI, I'm all about that theme. Oh, you got to listen to that every single time. Yes, so when I definitely. first saw disco i'm thinking it really to me was a hybrid of game of thrones and westworld Ah. you know with with both the music and the the visual the westworld visual which has Mm -hmm. that kind of like robotic building uh, you know and everything picard you know i can't even right now at the moment i can't even hear the music in my head but i can picture it to me it is a very visual intro and less Mm -hmm. and the music is just kind of there in the background i guess where I guess we're used to yeah. intros where the music is front and center as part of the the intro. And with Picard, what's interesting for me about that music is because you can go on Spotify or whatever and you can listen to it all in order, right? You can listen mm-hmm. to the Mandalorian soundtrack, which I highly recommend. Oh, so yeah. Every season in order of episodes on Spotify, there are playlists that you can listen to it all in order. Um, and it's interesting to see things build upon each other 
in this serialized format that is a lot of these TV shows nowadays, mm -hmm. um, where you can hear themes from different episodes coming in and out and different characters mm -hmm. and their theme and all that stuff. But with Picard, what's interesting is I actually, I think, I think the opening theme is just okay. I think it's wildly creative. Um, I could never hope to come close to writing anything as intricate as it is, but I find the music through in the show, if you just listen to the music, it's actually more acoustic driven. You hear get you hear acoustic guitars or classical guitars. You don't hear that as much in the other Star Trek shows. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's some elements of it that is actually sounds in moments like great classical music or uh, folk music or, you know, stuff like that. So it's definitely got the orchestra. It's definitely got synthesized stuff in there, but it's, it's truly unique, I think for Star Trek. Oh, I've got to pay more attention to that. Yeah, I haven't see, noticed I the guitars thing. Well, what I was going to say is again, when I watch a show and this is just because my background is not really, you know, I'm an amateur when it comes to everything music. So I'm paying attention to the, the writing, the characters, the plot, the special effects, the pretty much everything in the music is just there. But now I am dying to go back and rewatch and, and pay it and pay, pay attention, attention yeah. pay attention, Adina, to how the music controls your mind. Well, and, and it and probably isn't. I don't know. I don't know right. that it's doing that. Right. Well, maybe <laughs> it's not. I don't know. But for like, I remember, for instance, I, I remember watching Star Trek Generations when it first came out. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was, my dad and I got there late. My dad is not an early theater guy. Um, and so we got, and, and maybe it was after work too, and he was working late or whatever, but we get to the theater and we have to sit in the front row. So we're already not happy about that. As a Star Trek fan, I was thrilled to see a theater filled with, you know, my next generation family. You know, it was so great. Um, and it was all the feels in the room. And I remember watching that film and being captivated, e even though I agree with Chris that that opening music is not what we were used to. It was a different type of opening to a film. Yeah. Though. Like, what the heck is this bottle? I thought it was a Chateau Picard, whatever, you know. Um, but then it hits the Enterprise B. And it was a very beautiful piano driven too, which was again, different for Star Trek, except for Ilea's theme in the motion picture. Yes. We yeah, don't okay. see, we don't hear much piano um, in Star Trek films. So for me, I'm loving every second of it in Generations. But I remember as the Klingons attack for the, as the uh, Ursa and ba Bator <laughs> attack them and the music and Captain Kirk oh, is saving so the ship at the beginning of the film, you know, I remember just being absolutely riveted and paying it. And again, it's because I'm a musician. I grew up, music is my life, man. And so that's why I experience it different than Adina does, who's looking at other stuff. You know, the special effects for me, like I, I might go, oh, wow, that's pretty impressive. But I'm not ever like that's not what I'm ever focusing on. It is the music um, and how the music is, is the music effectively moving me through this film, feeling what the filmmaker wants me to feel at any given moment so it's mm -hmm. fascinating it's fascinating mm -hmm. to me. i think and i just want to go to a comment that steven was making about discovery and like oh there's too much crying and emotions and and monologues but it's fun watching a lot of like dramas like gray's anatomy where it's like every time somebody has a heartfelt monologue 
you hear the same music, which is like, it's telling you, hey, you're supposed to be on the side of this person. Listen to how, uh, you know, emotional they are. It's just like, and I appreciate it, but it's like, okay, I feel like this is happening in every show. Trivia times. I I got a trivia time for you guys. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised if, if anybody can answer this. There was a little show that was only on for maybe three seasons at the most that I remember. Okay. Gray's Anatomy is a, is it wasn't Gray's Anatomy. Obviously that show just goes on and on and on and still on on. Is it really my <laughs> still, like goodness, season 19 it's or 18. still on wow. TV. Um, uh, let's never mention Grey's Anatomy. I actually like the show. Um, but any, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, my friend. Um, but uh, Grey's Anatomy, one of the things they're famous for, right, is that they kind of have all these latest, greatest indie artists that help with the, you know, there's this drama or whatever, this emotional thing they want us to feel. Mm-hmm. And so you hear words, you hear artists singing songs. And maybe yep. you've heard the song because you're cool and hip enough to know these indie artists. Um, and maybe not, or you're wanting to go buy their album right away because you hear it on there. Um, there is a little show and I'll have to look up the date. I don't know if the date would even help you guys that actually was the show that was the precursor for all these shows now that use popular music. Um, and they use it on a regular basis in their episodes. It was an hour long drama and they used it almost every episode when there was a dramatic thing happening at the end where it, where it was a lot of video of them interacting, chasing or talking or whatever. And do you guys know what that show might be? So you be? mean like Pacing. music as an overlay, not like... Yes, correct. So you I'm... so they, they maybe weren't even... Maybe you couldn't hear them talking, but you were hearing them interact or watching them interact and the story progressing or something traumatic happening. And so the music with the lyrics over top of it, the art, the, you know, the band, whatever the band was, you, you hear that predominantly over everything else happening. So, so you, oh. the show that comes to mind, but I don't think this is it one, because it was for a couple more seasons than that. And two, because what I'm picturing is uh, they actually had an artist play like on stage and they did that routinely. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's, that's interesting, but that is not correct. Yeah. So that's is a, this that's like... a, that was probably another show early on though that would do that. Um, I, you guys just want to know. Yeah. You guys so just you said chasing. You can, I, I'm I, I don't want you. To, is this I don't like want a you cop to... show because you said chasing. So I don't know. If that's like uh, a t- implies yes, police. Yes, police a procedural. type of cop show, okay. but very different. It had a twist in it. And oh, it so was it was one of those shows. Need it was kind of, Don't tell us. I want okay, another. I want to. I want to no, guess. Okay. It was one of those this. shows that was popular, very popular, but it wasn't popular enough that the networks were like, "We got to," you know, like I think it was similar to Star Trek originally, where it went a season or two, had a huge following of people, but the networks didn't like its ratings it was getting or whatever, and the fans actually, I believe helped them have another season or two. They said, you've got to give us more of these. I want to go with TJ Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. Well, if That's you're a, saying this, Buffy the Vampire earlier. Slayer, if it's in that oh, time okay. frame. So it's not in that time period. Um, okay. Yeah, oh, Steve has got his eyes closed. He's thinking so hard. I'm, no, I'm. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for Bob um, to flip over all the cards and get to the final <laughs> answer in these twenty questions because I am completely 
dubbed. All right. Do you I want like one more? Do you one want more one more hint? One more hint. Okay. okay. This. Like I'm who having, start? Who starred in it? I don't remember the oh. name of the actors. Okay. But it was a Chicago cop who was very particular about his car because it was a classic, and he was partnered with a Canadian Mountie. Oh. Uh, this is sounding. Was it this, sounds so familiar. But I feel I like there. Well, there's like been shows like Chicago Blue. Mm-mm. Um, nope. But that's too recent. Uh, All right. I, okay, I think we fine. have dragged us on okay, long enough. Fine. The name of the show was Due South. Okay. Oh, I don't know that. Look it up, I wouldn't ladies have and gentlemen. And if you can watch it, it actually was a very humorous back and forth. It was kind of like a fish out of water with the Canadian Mountie in Chicago and the Chicago police officer um, or detective um, having to deal with the Canadian Mountie shenanigans and lack of <laughs> lack of city culture and understanding everything. I mean, it, okay, they I had the this. most amazing chemistry, these two guys. It was a beautiful thing to watch. It was a shame, bloody shame. The show only lasted two or three seasons because hmm. it was it was also um, in an era where it was becoming more popular for more cussing, more gratuitous violence in shows like that. They really kind of went the opposite. I mean, they definitely had their share of violence and a cuss word here and there, but it but it was really a it was about the story and the characters. They didn't do anything just for the sake of throwing it in there or to get a particular rating for television or whatever. So um, I su- highly suggest it. And we need to get back to science fiction, though. I had no idea <laughs> right. we were going to talk about one of my favorite. That was films. a big tangent. So yeah, we, that was we, a good tangent. What I'm actually going to do, guys, because we've we've kind of discussed this next question a little bit here. What's How important is the music to the overall experience of the film? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's just focus on is there any film – sci-fi film in particular that you can't imagine with a different score with a different soundtrack to it that just you just can't picture picture it without it i i don't think i could see star wars without the the music like it i'm sorry but i just you know i just think about any other composer trying to do it and it would it i'm sure they would have failed it just he just did it right and all the themes for each one of the characters throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. it, and, and into the subsequent other films that he did for the other Star Wars movies. It just, yeah, I couldn't I agree. live without it. That's my yeah. answer too. Yeah. The other one I was thinking about was 2001, but I don't know where that stands because like that opening music is not composed for the movie. It was like no. a real piece. I don't, I mean, is that true? I'm making. Yes. No, like that's, Beethoven. That's, yeah. Or Mozart. Right. They they took a piece Uh, of classical music and they used that for the opening. As was the Blue Danube played while Mm -hmm. they were coming in to land on the move, which takes six hours and 32 minutes to get through. Yeah, there's a lot. If you think Star Trek Trek, Mm -hmm. the motion picture is slow, folks, it'll seem like an action flick next to 2001 of Space Odyssey. Yes. Yes. Watching that sewer disc oh, go down the hall. I feel like you have to watch 2001 at least once, really, because oh, yeah. there, there's so many pop culture iconic references and things mm-hmm. and understanding how. What, are you, what are you doing, Dave? 
Stop yeah, I think it, you Dave. you have to go into Open it with the a certain door, like mind uh, well, frame. Know of what mind, you're getting into. <laughs> where it's like you're getting into an experience. You're not. Yeah. Gonna, it's not going to be fast paced. It's going to take yeah. a very long time for things to get going. But if you enjoy the cinematography, you enjoy the music, you can have fun. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, that's one's tricky because it's not. Again, it wasn't music. Consi- uh, sorry, it wasn't music um, specifically composed for the film. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't see the film opening up any other way. I don't know oh. what could replace that. I agree with you. Yes, I think definitely. that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? We should move right along here. Okay. Um, hardest else? question of the day. It may not be okay. that hard. I, I may be reading into this, uh, folks, but maybe it would be because, like, I I love Star Trek. Is my jam, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just so fiercely loyal to it, but. I also really do dig Star Wars. I thoroughly enjoy those films, except for yeah. the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, and I cannot deny the genius of John Williams and how fabulous mm-hmm. that music is. Um, even in the films he did not compose, I still think it's pretty fantastic. But what music do you prefer to listen to apart from the film? Star Wars or Star Trek? And remember, we're all friends here and we need to be friends mm-hmm. when the podcast ends. <laughs> So. Yeah, <laughs> no. It's uh, it's. Go ahead, Chris. I got. I don't know. Sorry, whose turn is it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm uh, gonna. Okay. I'm gonna. I'll just go ahead, Steve. Yeah, you go. I'm you go. Say, Be brave. Okay. I love the music from Star Wars. Okay, that's awesome. That's but good. if I'm sitting and writing, I'll put on uh, a YouTube like a compilation of star trek music because it's all different Mm -hmm. and it's all the same and so it can flow in the background and it's absolutely wonderful but what i really love to listen to theater organ theater organ music i love really music okay oh i just love it and you can and when i hear someone take a popular tune or a movie tomb and do it as a theater organ piece. I'm in heaven. That's why, to me, my favorite movie theater in the Los Angeles area is El Capitan, owned by Disney, because when they reopened it, they rebuilt the entire Wurlitzer Theater wow. Organ in wow. that. And the very first movie we went to see there was The Rocketeer, and it opened with a theater organ music, and then the movie went in, and it was like, I'm in heaven. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, if you, if you don't know about theater organ music, go to a baseball game. <laughs> they play right, it right, there. Right. Yeah. You know? I need to go do that. But yeah, that's that's the music I love to listen to uh, apart from movie themes. Okay. Hey, the interesting things you learn about Steve Merkin on this show. Mm-hmm. That is cool, yeah. man. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Adina, I want to put you on the spot. Come on. This is actually a little easier um, because I'm going to take this in a little bit of a different direction. Because I I, I already mentioned how I listen to the Star Trek, you know, instrumentals when I'm writing. But if I'm not writing, like if I'm driving in the car, I love to listen to Weird Al's parodies of Star Wars. (laughs) You guys don't understand understand this question I asked here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that no but seriously that is star trek yoda, stuff, that's the star wars stuff i love like there's yeah, you know yeah. you know yoda mm-hmm. which was lola you know oh yeah no, the, like the, 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 um, i was uh i can't think of i it haven't now. listened to those. The star wars cantina 
at the Star Wars, Wars. Star Wars Cantina. Cantina. And then there's a a American Pie one um, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. And I can't sing, so I'm only singing ironically. That's okay. You're doing great. But similar... I was going to say similar yeah. to Steve. I mean, like I, I do, I love music. I mean, even though I'm not well-versed in composers uh, for film and TV, I mean, I, I love music yeah, and I actually yeah. have my, my musical interests are wide and diverse and I've, I've played instruments over the years. I'm just, uh, I'm a, I'm a dabbler. I'm not really skilled. I've, I definitely have no talent or gifts, but one of my biggest things also in the instrumental world to listen to is uh, Spanish guitar. Okay. It's a big one. So I have a couple playlists of Spanish guitar stuff. And then if I can tolerate lyrics, um, so I'll listen to cover instrumental covers. The the problem is I still can't do that when I'm writing because I'll still hear the lyrics in my head, Uh, but there's several good um, orchestral covers of, um, I I do like heavy metal when I was in high school and junior high school, I was a big heavy metal Iron Maiden. So there's a lot of orchestral stuff there. There's like violin stuff there. Um, And then harp guitar. And there's like a whole bunch of harp guitar covers Mm, of like popular 70s, 80s, 90s songs. I I love, Hmm. I do. I love music. (laughs) Yes, of course. I just don't know a lot. (laughs) Chris, how about you? Oh, this is so hard. I think I got to go with Star Trek. I think that's what I'm going to be listening to. But Star Wars is up there. It's just it's uh, it just depends on my mood. Like right now, I feel like this like past month, I've been obsessed with the Duel of Fates. And if I could play that at work most of the time, I would. Maybe I could actually start doing that tomorrow. Not sure yet. (laughs) But like that's kind of where I'm in the mood. I just want Duel of Fates. But I think overall Star Trek. and then just if we're talking about weird quirks, like I'm obsessed with the saxophone. If someone can just do a cover of Star Trek in a, a, like a sax cover, I'd be all in for that. Mm-hmm. And like Adina was talking about <laughs> covers done to actual songs. One of my favorites is, um, I can't think of the guy who does it, but he does a really good cover of uh, Take On Me. Um, mm-hmm. the sax uh-huh. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. So there is a Star Trek Into Darkness saxophone cover. Oh, okay. I don't know I what it sounds like. That. I just typed it into. I just typed in saxophone cover Star Trek okay. into. Uh, then, oh, and there's others. There's a saxophone quartet. Oh, I need to listen to this. And I don't okay. listen to heavy metal in general, but I love Nightwish. I don't even know if they're what like they're a subgenre of heavy metal. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't but know them. So good. I'm a very like just actually just straight up Iron Maiden fan. And okay. that's the one band that even though I listened to a lot of, of heavy metal when I was in high school, the one band that has stuck with me my entire life and I still can listen to them is, is Iron Maiden. I love them. Love them. Interesting. Interesting. We learned something new about it. I tell you what, well today. I might, yeah. I might surprise you guys a little bit with my answer. Okay. Star Trek, of course. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> what, what might surprise you is that when I am uh, searching through the Facebook, I like a lot of music stuff. And the one thing I always stop to listen to and watch is Michael McDonald. Okay. Yeah, you I think that. he's got a fantastic <laughs> voice. He's, of course, iconic mm-hmm. with the Doobie Brothers. But um, I'm, I'm also now very much have vast taste in music um i love jazz music oh jazz i can good. listen to jazz all time um uh i also uh go ahead 
jazz itself is a very broad, like you say jazz, and I don't think we're necessarily talking about the same jazz. There's such a wide right. range and I like, of jazz. I like just about everything mm-hmm. um, jazz-wise. Um, I, there's, there's times when, um, you know, there's, there's some people will put classic American songs like from the Sinatra era into a jazz category. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking mostly, when, when I think of jazz, <laughs> I think of um, a quartet, you know, piano, like upright or... bass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah but I also, really I also like slow jazz. I like um, pop jazz. I like really just about anything. If it's got Night a Bird. good groove, if it's got a good groove in it, and fantastic Oy. instrumentation. I mean, for crying out loud, I'm tapping my toes and wishing I was their front man like right away. So, and I well, also Brian. love big band music. I have told people oh, this yeah. in Hey World if a big band or mm-hmm. or even a jazz quartet that wants to do Sinatra era songs ever mm-hmm. said we want you to be our front man. I might have to drop everything I'm doing to go do that. I would love to sing that and do that type of music. So, well, and we have the to nice get thing James about what you, said, <laughs> what you said about jazz, Brian. I mean, just think what one album of the year this year? It was John Batiste. We oh, are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is a jazz man. Yeah. Quite without question. And a jazz man song, one best or his album won best album of the year so there is still hope also a jazz also, man song not the song jazz man right yeah also interesting no, no. adina and chris have both mentioned heavy metal a lot of those artists are classically trained mm-hmm. they can mm-hmm. play classical music as good as anybody else uh and and they're some of the most talented musicians in the industry So when I was a teenager and trying to convince my dad in the car to listen to Iron Maiden, there were two arguments that I had. One was, hey, they're classically trained and my dad liked classical music. (laughs) So there was a lot. And you could hear, you could hear all the classical riffs in in things. And number two, at least Iron Maiden was partly educational. There was a song about Alexander the Great. There was a song of that was the whole poem, the rhyme of the ancient mariner. There's a lot of things I learned from Iron Maiden. Interesting. And there was a science fiction connection, which is one of the reasons I think it stuck with me too, because their artwork, well, some of their songs and then their artwork was all very science fiction-y kind of, Mm -hmm. not deliberately science fiction-y inspired, but it turned out that way. So when I was a, a a teenager, I had like all their posters plastered on my 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 right. wall, my ceiling, next to my Star Trek. And and here's the power <laughs> so, of here's the power of television and film. Is I am not a heavy metal guy. I mean, look at me. I'm not a heavy metal guy. Um, but uh, because of the new Karate Kid TV show, all oh, of a sudden God, I'm an ACDC fan. I'm a Guns <laughs> N' Roses fan. Um, I, I'm a Boston fan. I mean, I just, even a little poison. Uh, I just, I, you know, that that TV series, those iconic songs kicked in at just the right time. And I'm, I found myself there just like, yeah, I like this. I don't, mm-hmm. I've never liked it before, but I love it now. And so. Welcome to the 1980s. Yeah. Well, I, was gonna say, I, I feel I like heard... you and I are the same age. So I kind of like feel like you missed growing up in the 80s because uh, this I was because there was well, a whole was... subculture of christian music during that time that i was mm-hmm. way into um okay but i just i just yeah i, I wasn't uh, there's no way my parents would have allowed me 
to listen to any of that stuff. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I became infatuated with Sinatra and the Rat Pack stuff. Um, so, yeah, I love 80s music. I was going to say just two things. I love 80s music. I wish I grew up there in the mm-hmm. 80s. And also I was driving to work today and I was just and um, in the air was playing and I was like, oh, this oh, is I just watched that video on Facebook where it's just like, all right, we're yeah. going to work together. We're going to do two JoJo's. Uh, well, I got I got to say this has been fun, but we need to get back on track. Yeah, yeah. Thank and you. we got to end this episode. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I, I'm gonna skip a question. W- w- if you had the ability to score a film, because maybe you all of a sudden end up with Jedi powers, or perhaps got a little help from our man Q, a, a, lot a lot of help. help. <laughs> what franchise would you want to compose for? This is a one-time shot here. This is a one in and out. This is a one hit wonder thing. What would what would you like to compose as far as films go? So with these powers, are we like when we compose, it's gonna be like the perfect soundtrack? It's like gonna be no... yes, it's gonna be okay. it's gonna be it will go down in history. Okay. It's gotta be award winning. I'm not I'm not in if it's okay. not award winning. <laughs> it's award winning. Okay. You even just nominated isn't good enough. No, no. Okay. In this case, look. If the, if Q is helping me, I better gosh darn win. Right. <laughs> right exactly. Okay. So if in that situation, I got to go with Star Wars because there's two reasons. One, Star Wars, you get the more recognition for, and so you you instantly blow up because you did Star Wars. Two, I think out of the two franchises, I would rather have the experience of watching a new Star Trek movie, just from like going to the theater and seeing it for the first time as opposed to star wars where it's like i would still prefer to do that with both but if i'm going to compose for a movie then it would be star wars because i just want the experience of watching a brand new star trek movie start to finish with no inside information i guess or experience okay um there interesting uh adina okay well (laughs) You're still with us, Adina. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm still with you, but again. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to win because I, I have yes, help from Q. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Tilly sends I'm gonna say you back neither, in time and screws it all up, though. Well, I'm going to say neither <laughs> neither Star Wars nor Star Trek. That's fine. Yeah. Because, just... well, I, I mean, I was thinking, yeah, if I was going to have to pick between one of those two, probably Star Trek is like, well, what do I want my name associated with in the long run? And so to some degree, Star Trek. But then I go back to our interview with Tommy Kraft and think of all the things he did for his own movie to include the score. Well, now, so that's what I want. I, I want to score my movie. Hey, okay. that's a fantastic I want crazy, answer. foolish robot, robots to be a movie and then uh-huh. me score it and, and win all the awards. All right. I love it. it. That's awesome. Love it. Steve, <laughs> I cannot wait to hear what you're going to say. Good, sir. You know how some people can't dance because they have two left feet? <laughs> I've got two I, left I mean, hands. I know a guy. <laughs> I got two left hands. When it comes to... I love music. I really do. But when I listen to what it takes to make a piece of music, Brian, my hat's, <laughs> my, my hat's off to you, buddy. Because I, I just... 
a C to an F to a G flat to a blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. I don't know how you do it. And I don't know how they do it. It's the hardest That's thing anybody so could in- ever do. I'm just being honest. It's it's so stinking hard. You know, you're getting help. But, getting but help. if I could, if I could, if you could teach this lame right. child how to dance, uh, <laughs> it would be Star Trek just because the stories are so inspirational. The characters are so interesting. Um, Star Wars is beautiful in its own yeah, right. Yeah. And don't even touch it if you can. But as far as, you know, if you had a new Star Trek movie or story series and I could do it, I do that. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's, but, oh, that's a good answer. I'm but now I'm regretting my choice. The no, your answer some is great. I, I, I because it's, yeah, it's you know, it's a. I mean, if you're gonna win all the awards, right? I mean, this is theoretical, anyways, guys. Remember that <laughs> if you're gonna win all the awards, these are two great choices, two great mm-hmm. things to write for. Um, my answer, you know, would be Star Trek, um, mm-hmm. but I would not be disappointed if someone asked me what you compose for Star Wars. I I I would not want to do that because I don't have that skill on mm-hmm. that llama songwriter lyricist guy um but yeah i would say star trek and uh you know a close second would be um crazy foolish robots probably yes. i would have to well, say um i'm not doing it because <laughs> i do not have any ability or talent in that area <laughs> so if they ever decide to make a movie out of it right. and they need me to help pick a composer you should i'll call pitch, you well you should, should have like it. first dibs on you should have all the well i mean if they're doing it as a movie you should be able to have first say in everything i assume right Okay, but I and I say I am not doing the music. (laughs) Okay, but I will tell you this, Adina, because it's your book Mm -hmm. and your characters and your themes. When you hear the music, you'll know if it's right or not. Mm -hmm. You'll know if it fits it. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, you will reject it and you will break somebody's heart. But you better do it because it's got to be done right, as did Mr. Brad Bird Mm -hmm. when he talked about making for the Incredibles. Yeah. Better not screw up my yeah. my book and story well, because I put my life into it, and that's the music that should fit. I was gonna say your story, it's science fiction, mm-hmm. also for kids. So, or sort of. Well, it's. But it's I mean, there's oh, not I, not for kids. Think right, Hitchhikers. Okay. Think Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. So my 11 year old, he just he just finished just about finished reading it, and he didn't completely understand everything because I use adult. I, I don't dumb it yeah. down for kids. I don't talk mm-hmm. to kids. Yeah. Um, so it's accessible because I don't use adult themes. I don't have any bad words, but it's really not. So again, think Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Accessible to kids, but not really for them. Yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking like instantly. It's like there's yeah. one man for the job, Michael J. Kino. Get him on. Call sure, him up, make well, it happen. He's cro- Well, again, he's done movies for kids. He's done movies for exactly. So I feel so, like he's look. Perfect. If he's available yeah. and wants to do the music for my movie, I'm not saying no. Yeah, you're not gonna say <laughs> give him a call. Call <laughs> him. Say no. Take him out we, to lunch. Like that's we, what you got to do I for mean, Hollywood. You should. Michael, you should, if you're listening, yeah. please do the movie that is not yet. We we Existing. know it's, we know a talented filmmaker and film composer in in Tommy Craft now too. So that uh, is true. Anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been great, guys. I'm smiling so big. This is mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I hope you guys had half the fun I did. Right uh, in the candy as, store in the candy as, podcast. <laughs> as we talked about this, 
Um, and it's, it's been a wonderful expedition, my friends, as we have explored the amazing and deep world of science fiction music. Um, we didn't cover it all, though. We didn't go so deep, but we it was fantastic. We learned a lot of incredibly interesting things about each other, and hopefully you guys found it very interesting that Mr. Steve Merkin loves theater organ music. Yeah. And uh, so I just find that so fascinating. But alas, we must prepare ourselves for departure back to the Enterprise again because we're probably at risk of messing up the timeline <laughs> or breaking the prime directive mm -hmm. or something like that. So if we could sign off on this particular mission and... Uh, Adina will let us know what next week's discussion will be about as well. Next week, mm -hmm. we are going to talk about MST3K, Mystery Science Theater 3K, 3000. In the not too distant future. Yes. yes. Exactly. And we're going to have a, we're going to have a guest that we're going to interview. Uh, I think her name is pronounced Jack A. Newman Jones, Naaman Jones. And we'll talk to her about her experience in a film that got picked up and is one of the uh, pretty popular MST3K films. So it's going to be fun times. Awesome. And Chris, anything you want to say to end the show? Uh, I had a lot of fun. I have a new episode. Well, actually, this will be in the future, but I will be having <laughs> new episodes of the podcast coming out every Friday. And I've oh, started fantastic. this thing where I rant about something silly. Most recently, I ranted about Captain Panaka's hat from the Phantom Menace because I don't like his hat. So that was fun. But that's kind of the big thing I've got going on. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. Steve, my man. Nothing really big happening with me, but I am looking forward to talk about MST3K. Um, we found it on a Thanksgiving night when we didn't know what to watch and have been fans of it ever since right up until the new in, uh, inclination or in, the new recreation that was done on Netflix. So uh, yeah, you picked a great subject. It's going to be a lot of fun. Fantastic. We'll have podcasts. Uh, we'll have links to all the stuff we got going on, including how to order Adina's book and her website, Chris's podcast, all that stuff. And uh, it, this has been a great, a lot of fun. I'm Brian Donahue. You can check out, all that stuff on the podcast notes, like I just said, you can email us at bigsci-fi-podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, hear what you think of our episodes and the show, hear suggestions maybe for possible future shows as well. Also visit our new Facebook group and join the conversation as uh, we talk about a lot. We are actually on that group a lot as as the hosts of this show we love to interact with people that are listening and a part of that group we're building a community of listeners and science fiction fans and we're having a blast doing it if i may say so myself so join the fun until we pass through this solar system again on behalf of the entire crew of the big sci-fi podcast we wish you the very best for the future stay positive and look for opportunities to be kind to those around you you never know what a kind word or good deed can do to impact the attitude an outlook of even a total stranger. You guys ready to warp speed out of here? Yep. Live long and prosper, my friend. Live long and oh, prosper. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get the heck out of here. 